Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to Robins on the Wire for our 100th episode. Uh, It's Michelle here, usually hosting the podcast, but at the moment, literally, I have my hands full. Right now, in my arms is our son, Zach, who was born a month early. In fact, at the time of recording, he was due today on November the 19th. A very special podcast today. Greg was managed to sort out some fantastic guests for you, so I'll let him introduce them, but really enjoy listening to this. It's a pleasure to do this podcast. I'm really looking forward to being back uh, at some point in the new year. My hands are a little bit full at the moment. He's actually being quiet for once, Zach is, but he's looking forward to getting to his first Bristol City game at some point as well. The club really kindly sent him a wonderful gift, so we are sorry to be missing the 100th episode, but we are very much looking forward to listening to this, as I'm sure you are too. We'll be back in the new year. And here is Gregor with some very special guests. Enjoy. And thanks to Gregor as well for making this podcast what it is each week. So joined by Lee Johnson, head coach at Bristol City and assistant head coach Jamie McAllister. And I'm hoping the guys are going to give the listeners some some insight into what happens up at Feyland on a daily basis. I could just start, guys, by asking how you are, really, and saying thanks for coming on. Well, how have you spent the international break? Are you, did you manage to get some downtime? Are you, are you both well? Are you cold from up at Feyland? Or how's it going? I managed to get a little bit of downtime, yeah, which was very nice. had uh, four nights in Dubai with my wife. A little girl stayed at home. My mum and dad looked after her. So, yeah, it was nice. I realised she's actually all right, my wife. And, uh, you know what I mean, in the hectic nature of, of the business and... Um, the summer even, you know, even though you do get a holiday, actually, there's so the phone never stops, and that can be frustrating for the whole family, actually. But it was nice. It was four days, watched a bit of Cirque du Soleil, which is very good. A um, little bit of vitamin D, I think it is, into the uh, to the bloodstream, and it was nice. Yeah, I love a little break. Um, I had two days up in Scotland, uh, spent time with the family, took my wife up there, left the kids at home, which was nice. Don't get... On their own. Yeah, <laughs> after the house. Um, yeah, about quality time and my wife, which is nice. Um, and just back, ready to go for this. Yeah, I was going to introduce the pod as well by saying congratulations to Lee for winning the Bristol Post Professional Coach of the Year Award. And obviously I saw you, Macca, there. You collected it on behalf of Lee. So first of all, yeah, well done on that, Lee. And I, I thought it was a really great video, actually, that you, that you um, produced afterwards. And you were saying about how grassroots coaching and everything is important to you. And just to kind of tie this into the club a little bit, um, one of the stories we've covered a while ago was the Bristol Inner City Academy. I don't know if you remember those guys, yeah, but I think, do, yeah. yeah, a year or two ago, didn't, you went down there, didn't you? And you spoke yeah. to those guys, and I've spoken to them since, and I know how much they were enthused by that. Mm. And all that kind of stuff is important in the big picture, isn't it? Because those guys, some of those young players, eventually, well, sometimes come through the ranks at Bristol City, and I, I know they obviously took um, a great deal from what you said to them. Yeah, I think that, I mean, as a kid myself um, growing up and, and just loving football wanting to play football looking back on it now you just appreciate all the times it would be your parents that took you to games and the volunteer coaches that probably cost them a fortune to be honest run it, running the club and running kids about and buying kits and stuff like that and uh, I, no doubt I wouldn't have had the career I've had unless those people had sacrificed sort of those moments in their life and helped me, if you like, along the way. So particularly 
now I've got a daughter who's 11 years old and, and, and obviously we're growing up, she's grown up in the area to see the various sports that she's doing sort of in terms of the camps and netball and hockey and stuff like that and again you look at these coaches and you see the sacrifices they make um, often for just pure love of the game and pure love of uh, development so yeah I think that on events like that it's really important to to know that that's appreciated and it doesn't matter whether you're a professional coach or a grassroots coach the truth is that the sacrifice is what changes and, and enhances kids lives in particular and uh, I think that's really shouldn't be should be held in the highest regard and I think time is the best gift you can give uh, any young person particularly when it's in a sporting environment yeah Maka just to follow on from what Lee said there there were also some great stories on the night there. Was there anyone in particular who caught your attention? I'm just just for myself, I remember the two young boxers, I don't, don't know if you remember those guys, who um, they believe might go on and be Olympians in the future. There was some great stuff like that. Did, did you learn anything yourself while you're down there? or what, what particularly stood out for you? Yeah, I thought it was really inspiring. Some of the young sportsmen and women went up there and spoke. Um, you mentioned the two boxers. I thought they were excellent and they just spoke about hard work and having that opportunity to go and achieve something in their lives. And whatever sport it is, it gives them that opportunity. Um, and they just kept saying about hard work and dedication and doing the right things and loving the sport. And what the gaff said there, it's all about the love of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you do whatever it takes to be the best. Um, whether it's tennis, basketball, whatever it is, rugby. Um, I thought it was a couple of inspiring people. I think it's very different now the way society as we were talking about earlier in terms of the coaching element like football struggling a little bit for decision makers at the moment because I think our era um, particularly was, was going out playing in the park it was like almost street football you had to hold yourself against a 14 year old when you're 7 you know what I mean you had to make sure that you could deal with various situations on the street on the park you get put in goal you're in midfield you've got a good team you get picked first you get picked last and it's very different now now it's about um, it's almost evidence based coaching if you like and, and, and our balance now is to yes work for the player but also try and help the decision making process by actually giving them that freedom in training to make those errors more importantly and uh, I think naturally players look now to the coaches to to say give me the answer and sometimes it's best to hold back the answer particularly with younger players um, and let them find their way on their own and and there's a big distinct change in that over the years Um, and I hope that what we produce at Bristol City and we'll start producing even better decision makers, the likes of Casey Palmer, uh, for example, and Joe Morell playing for Wales, hopefully tonight, is a good example of, uh, of those sort of creative players in midfield trying to unlock a door or, or find uh, the pictures to create chances. Yeah, those. I should point out, those first questions aren't designed to make this an advert for the Bristol Post Live Awards. I, what I was coming on to was the likes of Pat Lamb being there, and I wondered... I think you've said before, Lee, that you've spoke. Maybe you have a WhatsApp group or something. And you speak to guys like that. Is he a guy that you've, you've learned, you've taken stuff from? And is there an example you, you can you can give us? And um, maybe this kind of leads on to something a lot of the fans have been talking about recently: is their impressions of you guys, 
those that we saw on a video this week. Um, Nicky Mainbar, for example, and Ashley Williams with his uh, mank accent doing uh, Dean Holden and yeah, Bailey Wright. Uh, what did you make of his uh, yeah, Scottish accent there, Mac? <laughs> I don't think it was very accurate. No, I thought it was brilliant. Um, no, speaking about, going back to what you said about Pat Lamb, I think we spent a lot of time with him. We've been in a couple of times, we've watched him train and spent the day with him and how they coach the players and how they give them responsibility and use the different um, learning styles to get the best out of the players. Um, I picked up a lot of good tips that we can try and implement um, and they do the same with us. They come and watch us train. They the sports head uh, of performance last, last week. He was in yeah. last week, wasn't he? Um, watching his train so um, we're always learning off each other and you know we try to pick up different things but I mean what Pat's been through as a coach and um, he's constantly learning and tapping in his, his knowledge and his, his brain really yeah he seems to have a real presence I thought when he, when, he, yeah. when he was up there the other the other day and yeah is he someone you've spoken to Lee about about coaching and, yeah definitely and we've, had, we've been out for a couple of meals together and um, he uh, came around my house with his wife for a coffee and and you just end up talking about coaching. You can't help it. You could you could almost try and say put the ball away or the rugby ball away. But um, when you sat in front of a coach, particularly a successful coach like Pat is, you can't help but but pick their brain. To be honest, that's anybody actually. You know, like I, I see it as like almost a big bubble of philosophy that I've got, and I, and I could be listening to various people in various businesses, various sport. Not always football. It could be tennis coach that I'm talking to it could be somebody that's a very successful leader in business and all of a sudden you can you can almost pluck that out of the air and, and push it into your bubble of philosophy and then sort of try and build around it so um, yeah I think certainly I, believe, I always say to my daughter you show me your friends I'll show you your future and I think that that's a, a good statement for coaches like us because we, it's positive to be influenced and you don't take everything it's, it's very different uh, sport obviously in football football is probably more variables I think and more random than any other sport probably in the world but at the same time the leadership element and the culture and, and, and bits like that you can draw from uh, the person on the street or a successful business leader or somebody like Pat Is there, is there anyone you can mention that, uh, that you can that you can tell us about that you've spoken to then in, in that, that con context is anyone in particular in business that you've, that you've spoken to recently that, that's that's influenced you or is there any any other mentors that you I don't think it ever stops to be honest I mean there's obviously I've got loads of mentors in football and people that you can pick up the phone to but definitely military I think military uh, always lends itself to a football environment where trust is very, very important. Is that um, the discipline aspect maybe as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely the discipline, but it's the trust. It's the trust that you'll go into to war, if you like, with somebody next to you. I mean, just to give you an example, I said I went to Cirque du Soleil. They have a sphere, it's probably about two metres high and, and three metres wide, and they put five motorbikes in that sphere, and they go at full pelt, five motorbike intertwining and don't hit collide I'm thinking to myself well after I managed to speak to one of the motorcycle drivers and the trust that he's got in his teammate if you like not to make a mistake he knows effectively his life is in the guy's hands so there's got to be that rapport there's got to be that bond and it's the same whether you're in the SAS or the RAF and um, we've done a lot with that the guys Macca went and Dean went to see Paul Nichols. Um so 
Red Arrows have been in, for example, the top man at the Red Arrows to speak to us again about the way you give feedback and the way you give trust. Gothic was another good example. Marcus came in, obviously he's a Bristol City fan, but he also brought in his coaches um, from mm. Somerset Cricket, so there was a bit of interaction there with the difference. Obviously cricket, a bit more individualised in terms of uh, it's not so much a team tactic, but the individual um, development path and programme is very important to be successful. So, yeah, we're always drawing on uh, on any, not only competitor, if you like, to to magpie their best bits, but uh, various sports and leaders around the world. Just just moving on slightly then, and I guess tying into what you're saying there, trust is so important. I would imagine it's very important between you three at the top there, Dean, Macca and yourself. Um, can you give the fans a bit of an insight into life up at Phelan and stuff like that? What about in terms of like just the logistics and your day-to-day stuff and like does any of you guys particularly have the role of making the tea or that is that something you can you can you can give elsewhere or or how does that work and what about driving you did make me my first cup of coffee in the season <laughs> today i was happy with that <laughs> <laughs> no i think um what we created up there at the training ground is just what the gaffer created i suppose has been the main man and head coach it's just a real friendly environment everyone's got an opinion obviously Gaffer's opinion he takes everything takes a little every bit of advice from everyone and he makes the final decision but it's very open um, that's down the way the Gaffer works and going into the office he's saying about making teas everyone makes teas it's not as if like we just do it or whatever everyone takes turns um, whether it be Sam and, and Luke doing the analysis or myself Bolly, Dino Pat CC Gaffer whoever um, everyone's always asking who wants what but it's just a real family community mm-hmm. like tight knit group um, we've got a lot of staff but everyone's part of it I mean media guys are up there Dave's with us now and there's another 20 staff there that we're all no one's special yeah, everyone's yeah. still growing and learning together we're a young group yeah. like want to learn and want to make each other better and strive for where we want to be and the next few months. What about if it is just the two or three of you guys going to watch a game or something? Who does the driving? Or how do you do that? that, that kind of <laughs> yeah, thing? we mix it up. Yeah, we, we mix, mix it up. up yeah. Uh, yeah. Normally me, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the working environment is huge. I think the, the culture and the ethos of the football club obviously comes from the top, without question or a doubt. Um, if the top's not right and the, and the Lansdowns effectively aren't in sync... Um, with myself and Mark Ashton, it's very difficult to, to sort of flow all the way down. Luckily, obviously, we've got very good owners and we've got good relationships. So listen, there's times where, uh, trust me, we have debates and heated debates, and uh, but there is an element of knowing the personalities involved and trusting each other within that. I think the high-performance environment is huge and, and the way I see it is almost like I'm a gardener in terms of like, you know I mean, there's various elements and areas of the football club. And, and I, I suppose Mark Ashton would say this as well and everybody that works, that you want to sort of sprinkle a little bit of encouragement, positivity and also knowledge to then let that grow. And that's the same with our section. So our football section, we will take advice from analysts, for example. So the guys gave us a really good presentation. I asked in the international break, I want one thing that I'm going to go away and decipher how we can improve just one element of our attacking play 
on how we're going to, what we need to improve and let me design how we're going to improve it. So the feeling can only be created if it's completely genuine. And it is very completely genuine, this football club, that everybody is part of the result on a Saturday. And whether Jeju scores the winner in the 95th minute, like the person that has done the kit, for example, our lovely Tracy that works in the in the kit room with Scotty, has had just a bigger part to play, if you like. And there's the old saying, isn't there? There was the guy in NASA sweeping the floor and he's like, well, what are you doing? what are you doing what's your role in the company well I'm here to put a man on the moon and it's the same dynamic really at our football club we're here everybody's here to try and um, encourage those positive performances and do their role extremely well on a Saturday and to be fair if they don't we're on them <laughs> let's not think it's a sort of Billy Butlin uh, type mentality there's examples that it's definitely these two and Dave Barton sat in the room because he's our bouncer when it comes to the media um, where we've had heated debates over over various forms of mistakes or mistakes I've made or stepping out of line or missing things or um, whatever. And I think that also is positive. And I suppose we've got to that stage at this football club now through having the consistency. And I always say our strength is in our stability. And, uh, and I truly believe that because uh, if you haven't got that, it's very, you can get water between various avenues and particularly for the coaching staff, players are clever and players read things extremely well. A wink, a nod in the morning, they read it, a new contract's up for grabs, not in the team, in the team. If they think they can get something between myself and the coaches, they will. Not in a negative way, just as part of uh, nature. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> That's okay. I mean, um, I want to just ask at this point about those impersonations that I sort of mentioned earlier. Uh, I think, I honestly think that's given a really great insight into the club and shows a real humility, uh, humility from you guys to have the players impersonating you. I think, wasn't there a good one from Callum O'Dowd? I think one of the media guys was saying about looking at his watch. I don't know who he relates to or anything, but um, yeah, constantly looking at his watch. But yeah, I, I, that surely that shows yeah the spirit in the in the camp at the moment. Well, it should do. Yeah. Apart from at the end of that, I made seven changes from the original <laughs> yeah. team selection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting if Nicky Mainpar is here for maybe for. Yeah, he was playing that day. By the way. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I think it shows the trust and the togetherness in the group and the openness and how as a coaching staff we don't take ourselves too seriously, but then the lads know where they don't cross the line and. Going back to some of the experiences I've talking about, the military and stuff like that, I was down at Sandhurst a couple of weeks ago and watched down to the, the Army Academy and the attention to detail and the structure, the, the, how they create leaders and how they go about creating, creating leaders. Um, it's something we want to do here with everyone. Keep developing the players and the characters and like the guy was saying about big personalities and, and leaders on the pitch, characters on the pitch, which is missing a lot bit nowadays. Um, so you always want to make the person better. Um, as well as a player better. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is probably a classic kind of coaching argument, I would say, that um, is it harder these days to bring out those characters or make turn people into characters because the players have so much done for them, do you, do you think? Mm, I think this it, generation yeah, is that a bit unfair, maybe? Yeah, no, I think I read an uh, article about Bielsa and how he was talking about that the other day, but I think the, 
it's just different. You, you've got to adapt. Mm. You know what I mean? We're, we're quite old school, aren't we, in our mentality? Even though we're seen as a young staff, we're very old school in terms of values, work rate, um, like uh, manners and discipline. Um, so that has to be a non-negotiable. But then at the same time, it's up to us to, to not just say, well, look, this is how we've done it in our day, to constantly evolve and try and individualise really is the key. It's individualise the development programme, particularly with our players because they're so young. But I'll give an example of Ashley Williams at 35. I'm, try, I'm changing or trying to change the way, and he's done it already, implemented after like four sessions, in the way he jockeys and defends against someone running at him. And there was a great example, wasn't there, in the, in the Cardiff game of him being exposed in half a pitch on his own at 35 against someone that's quicker than him. He completely adapted his footwork to, to how he worked sort of last year, six months ago, and was comfortably read the situation, swept the ball up and started an attack. And for me, that, that's prime culture right there in terms of him at 35 like people say oh do you know what I mean old dog can't teach him new tricks well you can and I think if the environment's right Benikafobi coming in um, and the sort of rejuvenation of that and young players pushing 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 all the time gives you a chance and all those impersonations really is just an added push to create an environment where people feel comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone because unless we stretch them, then they're not going to grow as individuals, both as humans and footballers. These boys can be overnight millionaires, effectively, on paper. So what money does often is just reveal somebody. And, and there's, there's a lot of intricacies that go from taking a young player from 18 years old as a talent to suddenly 24, 25 and an established man, let alone football player. And then there's five or six years there have a lot going on in their lives, you know, like no money to money, to buying the parents a house, to getting their first girlfriend, to trying to earn a new contract, to being left out of the team, to being a superstar, to being ridiculed by the fans. Do you know what I mean? To win, scoring the last minute winner. And it, and it takes its toll. So it's our job, I think, to keep that environment almost as a school, if you like, to keep them in, in that direction so there's no victim mentality. We're always pushing back into into fighter and to learn new things yeah just lead, sort of leading from that into uh, yeah I guess at some point you guys have to almost do like a fatherly role for some of the younger players and that is, it, is that something you kind of relish in a way or, or something you, you, you try and stand off a little bit from or and I'm sort of in the same token I'm guessing there'll be some players that each of you get on better with than others and do you kind of divide that up or is that something you never do because you should, you should I don't you know, see it like that I yeah. see it as almost like they're all my kids if you know what I mean and like sometimes like it's like a kid you might have to put an arm around them and give them a cuddle sometimes you might have to give them a stern talking to sometimes there might be a punishment and whatever the naughty step <laughs> or a fine or whatever that looks like um but they have to know that you love them and and, and you've got to win the heart and i think unless you win the heart and mind like it's not a relationship that's going to work and then they may as well move on um or, or you move on effectively so like, that's really important. It's different for a manager, I think, like as an assistant, uh, Jamie and Dean are really good 
with the lads in terms of the way they interact and obviously we brought Cece in as well and that's definitely a speciality of his he loves to talk um, and uh, he loves to listen as well more importantly so that's important and that keeps the environment steady if you like because I have to at times take that step back because I'm the decision maker in terms of the team selection and that's the bit I try and separate it between football and life and, and hopefully they know that if there's a life problem, do you know what I mean, they'll come to me and we can go off-site and have a coffee and, and I'll give them as much experience or guidance as I can into making that issue right. And that you'd be surprised how often that happens. Well, probably not when you're dealing with 75, if you like, individuals in terms of staff and players and, and young players. But at the same time, it's impossible to do it on your own. So effectively everybody has a job to do and, and again it comes back to pushing that player from victim to fighter and that's not always necessarily football that could be just life it could just be a family a death in the family you know like when my granddad died it was the first major death I had in my family at 30 31 and it, and it killed me do you know what I mean so sometimes it's a dog that's uh, people obviously love their dogs more than anything so uh, it's our job really to be on the front foot of it and to make sure that we're leading the people first and foremost even before the football yeah sure I remember you've spoken a few times Lee about um, getting the buy-in from players um, Mac I'm going to get you to answer this one um, leading on from what Lee was saying before about teaching Ashley Williams to jockey players maybe who are running at you and maybe maybe in a situation where maybe they've got a bit more pace and stuff the Bristol City Legends team, I saw them playing recently against the Fire Avon Fire Service. Is that a lesson maybe learned from those such games that maybe is applied <laughs> there or not? No, they're great games. We've always wanted to play them and support them. And, um, we've also loved and missed playing. Um, but I think going back to the last question as well, I think you've got to understand that you player when he came in every day, they could have been up all night with babies or it could be like the gaff said death and family or whatever and you've got to get them in the right state then to train and get them to understand how lucky they are to be where they are and like be a good mentor be a good person to talk to but then get them perform in training to be then ready for the match um, and I know football's there's a lot more to life than football but to recognise how lucky they are to be where they are and give it their all and not fail by being poor and an application or attitude in that in that moment, and us as coaches, we've got to get the best out of every player every day. And sometimes, like Gav says, it might need an arm and it might need a bollocking, and it's just <laughs> getting that right every day. And every personality is different, and it's not about are those skill are those skills that can be learned. Do you think, or those skills that come naturally? Yeah, are those no, what, that, is think, that what makes yeah, great coaches in a way? Yeah, I think yeah, leadership's yeah. never ending. Yeah, but I don't think you can ever stop like. You can't over-communicate in one no. sense and therefore you can't ever stop learning. And whether that's about... I mean, we've tried, we've done the personality tests, haven't we? Yeah. We've done the... Uh, like today, for example, we had a rag meeting, which is like red, amber, green. So we talk for every single player, the various members of the staff, and that, that's not to snitch on the players if they're doing something wrong. That's to help them in any way we possibly can, just to try and notice... Give you an example, Dan Bentley... Um, his girlfriend is just about to uh, give birth. Her due date was yesterday. So, therefore, there's a whole backstory, if you like, to say, so, okay, so make sure that uh, Mipe is ready because if he has to fly off, 
then Maipa's in. At the same time, we need to make sure we support Bents. And then a month into it, is he going to be sleeping? How does the dynamic change in his life? Mm-hmm. Like, does he need extra nutrition? Like, it's, it's never ended, to be honest. Um, what can we do to help? You guys obviously must have to learn a lot of details then about every player, family and everything like that. Do, just taking it back to logistics and people, things that maybe the fans can relate to a little bit. Do you, how do you keep on top of all that? Do you, do you have to maintain a lot of diaries and spreadsheets or things like this? Or do you have admin people that help you with this, this kind of stuff? Or was it just, I, I guess, just memory really maybe? But then if you've got 75 different players and academy players as well, that's, that's a lot of people to know, isn't it? And, it's just communication, talk yeah. And some people may have to write them down or... But it's, it's every day, talk to a little chats here, little chats here about football, about life, about family, different things. And like team building exercises we, we done last week when we went out to um, out to work the guys out and done the assault course and stuff and zip wires. A lot of players are out of their comfort zone in there, like Nick Lyson, for instance, is scared of heights. So I was behind him when we were doing the, the zip wires and he was petrified to go on it because he thought if one was disconnected, one of the wires disconnected, he was going to fall. So he didn't trust it, and then it's him having a little bit of trust in me to say, Yeah, he'd be fine, and like all that kind of stuff. Um, it's very well organized, yeah. Like, it's not but it's not by fluke, no, do you know not. what I mean? Like, we I think we're always looking to do more, right, in ever, any which way we can. And actually, simplifying it is the genius, if you like, is can you simplify it? And, and we're probably not there yet <laughs> because uh, that's the bit that, if anything, we could improve on is simplifying the organisation to make sure that uh, it just runs absolutely perfectly smooth. Maybe this is a good point to ask you about something we haven't really spoken about before, is some of the new staff members, the likes of um, René Gilmartin, who I think has just got a new role with the Ireland under-21s as a goalkeeper coach, um, and Paddy Orm, who's obviously taken over the, uh, the fitness side, and also the likes of... Crocs and Andy Rolls, who I don't think we've really mentioned before, but these guys obviously play a very important role mm. we, for you guys. Can, can you maybe give them a word? Or what do they bring? And yeah. is, is that an important part of Yeah, of absolutely. This? Yeah, incredibly important um, and very specific in their, in their job roles. Um, Andy Rolls, for example, head of uh, performance and uh, physiotherapy, is very close to me if you like drives me up the wall actually on a daily basis in a nice way in terms of that that organizational piece um i've set out the structure but it's his job to make sure that everything completely lines up just for example i get a spreadsheet that's um set out by him of every player's flight where they're going what time they're back internationals when their games are report on the minutes do you know what i mean so it's his job to sort of collate that and make sure that he's in touch with all the various um, national federations in terms of the players, the minutes they've played, the injuries, the GPS that they've had, collate that and then deliver it back to me. Um, uh, then you've got the likes of, like you say, Paddy, who, who stepped up, been promoted from within uh, and done extremely well because, again, going from the academy to the first team is a complete different level of intensity. Um, Prox, you know what I mean the, the hours these guys have to work to make, particularly when you've got a, a, a busy treatment room if you like, we've now brought in a loan physio because we've got 19 players out on loan so the organisation is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger but in, in, in the correct way and I think every decision that's been made 
terms of Mark Ashton um, and, and setting out the structure and the, and the football and the business side of the structure is getting there to be very, very streamlined. When I look back to when we was a player, it was effectively my dad, sort of Colin Sexton and, and Steve Lansdowne making sort of all decisions. Um, this is a very, very different business model now. Do you guys get an input into those guys coming in? How, how does that work at all? Or do, um, do you maybe, I don't know, sort of leads me on to the managing side of stuff, but do you go to Mark and, and John and, and say maybe we could do with somebody to take care of this for us? And, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, for me, it's the, it's the constant communication. I'll probably speak to Mark Ashton two, maybe three times a day at least, and, and then I'll often have once, twice a week sort of face-to-faces due to seeing him for, I think, got a three-hour meeting sort of booked out tomorrow. And that, and that was the build-up from having five days off, really. So, like, that effectively is a day off for lads, but it doesn't stop for us. Um, and it it's hard to actually pinpoint who finally makes a decision. And I think it doesn't work like that because we're so well-groomed in terms of communication on a daily basis. No one would come into the football club on the football side without... Uh, sort of me, Mark Ashton and the board agreeing it and at the same time we'll definitely take input um, from anybody if you like that's willing to give it particularly obviously uh, senior coaching staff like Macker and Dean Yeah just just sort of maybe pushing this towards the end of the podcast but yeah in terms of like up managing and, and communication as you guys have, have, have said there do you, do you speak to the likes of John and Mark still just as much or maybe less um, less um, not as much as, as, as has been in, um, previously, and maybe John, maybe more, because he's be, become um, chairman of the club over the last year. And or do those guys? Obviously, they're not at Feyland, I would guess, so much. So maybe, maybe it's not, not so much. Well, interesting because no, probably I think John's definitely taken a more active role recently, um, and, and look, managing up. Is it managing up? I, I think managing that almost makes it sound a bit devious. You know what I mean? Like it's just—it's about the people and and like just to give an example today. So that presentation that that I told you I wanted from the analytic department was really good, and uh, we've been building sessions off the back of that, um, and and we'll implement that, and that will come out in our game without question of a doubt. But at the same time, I wanted John to see it because I'm like, John, I want you to see this because A, this is the work that's being done and B, this is how we're going to implement this. And then when you're watching it, if you like, from the stand, you'll understand exactly what we're trying to achieve. So that could potentially be exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So almost sort of setting the seed uh, so that that communication... And I obviously, I'm a bit spoiled now, if you like, because I've been here a while, both as a player and as a, and as a manager... And I often think now, okay, how is that? Would that change if I was suddenly manager of another championship club, and maybe your owner's like a, a, a resident in China, for example? Do you know what I mean how how do you communicate like we do? And like I say, I almost feel spoiled the fact that I know I can pick up the phone and speak to Steve, not just for um, like because he's the owner of the football club, because he's seen a lot and done a lot in terms of life and football. And, uh, and he does have an influence on me, without question of a doubt, um, particularly when um, things get negative. He's world-class as a leader 
at that point, Steve Lansdowne, when, when everything else seems like it's crumbling, he's very good at sort of motivating the motivator. Okay, so I'm just going to round it off then finally and ask you something a bit more open-ended and um, uh, about the future of football. And how do you see uh, the EFL and the Championship progressing in the years ahead and, and, and Bristol City's chances, maybe maybe one for you, Mac, to start off with? And it, it seems to me like the Championship is, is changing all the time, uh, especially in terms of financial fair play, but maybe that's like an external view and maybe you guys feel a bit differently in, internally uh, about, about it all. How do you how do you see things standing as at the moment? For me, I think it's getting stronger every year. The championship, I think it's a great league. Um, people say it's the fourth most watched league in the, in the world, and just the quality and the standards get going higher every year. And you, I think you can see this year with how tight it is, the top twelve, um, and obviously a lot of finance coming out of the game now is more business. Um, but I just think for us as young coaches, we're trying to find every edge to get to the top um, and what the gaffer's speaking on there what came across and how we can hopefully create and score more goals using different patterns and different um, implementing things in training and constantly evolving us as coaches myself especially and, and patterns of play and ways of breaking teams down because as, as a team we'll get more respected because what we've achieved in the past the last couple of years and we keep progressing and progressing so Team safe for Saturday, we're playing against Nottingham Forest. They, they might come in and sit in a low block, mid block, and how do you break that down? Different ways to do that. So, that's a challenge for us as coaches to develop training sessions and, and patterns to, to break them down. Um, but come back to, I think the championship as a whole is improving uh, and it's a great league to play in. But ultimately, we want to be next level. Just before you answer, Lee, uh, the fans would not um, let, let me live I suppose if I didn't ask you what that analysis was on that um, you got put I'm together you. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't give us a hint uh, no we'll, 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 we'll reveal all our secrets <laughs> yeah, and when we don't do it you'll be like what bad coaching <laughs> now there's, there's lots of ways like we're, we're innovation is very important to us and um, even now I'm looking forward to receiving my four by four square metre a giant TV screen. You you're like, getting gonna that, you're going to get that. Are you finally, I had to sell Webster for twenty million. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that that yeah, that's coming on Wednesday. So that gives us more opportunity to to sort of focus in on this like evidence based coaching, if you like. And I think you talk about the championship as a whole. We've got to constantly evolve and adapt because like we want to be in the Premier League without question of a doubt. It's a very good league, the championship, and we've got to enjoy the league and and people effectively believe that Bristol should have a you know I mean a Premier League so there's no divine right for that you know I mean we have to keep doing the right things we have to keep educating the young players that we've got we keep making the right decisions hopefully it will come to us we'd love it to come this year and trust me we'll die in a ditch uh, fighting to make it happen but if it doesn't then again we progress and we step on again and again and keep going until it does but I think what's interesting in terms of the championship is what's going to change. You know, you're seeing these financial fair play scenarios now evolve and, and potentially people losing points and, and chasing the honeypot, if you like, of the 100 million Premier League prize. We've potentially got VAR coming in uh, to the championship over the next season or the season after or whatever. I could see a split in the division to become a Premier League two uh, evolving over the next sort of five, six years. 
obviously the TV rights become important and all that. So I think it's a it's a wonderfully um, competitive league, but it's also um, something that you've got to constantly evolve and adapt. And for us, it's brilliant because there's coaches coming in from all over the world. Like how many coaches have been and gone since we've been here? And and actually, we've learnt off you know yeah. people like Yap Stam and uh, obviously you've got Bielsa now at the moment and. Uh, every coach at this level has got their own sort of USP, if you like, and um, and even the rules, the rules changing. Like we're constantly having to adapt to the referees' <laughs> mindsets and what's offside, what's not. So I keep saying to referees, "Well, what do you want me to coach? How do I coach that new offside rule, whether it be defenders or attackers?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess just bringing it full <coughs> circle, those skills and. Uh, that you've mentioned before, the evidence-based coaching and, and everything else that puts you guys in a good place to meet those challenges and, and whatever comes over the hill. Chaps, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to say thank you very much for joining us um, on behalf of myself and Michelle. And obviously, Michelle couldn't be here this week, but um, thank you ever so much for joining us, and we really appreciate your time. I'm sure the fans will take a lot from that, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very Cheers. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to Michelle and that boy, Zach. Yeah, yeah. Is our new signing. We've already put him on a contract. Yeah. <laughs> Robins on the wire.